0: Fight 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 Welcome to Film Fight Club, I'm Glenn Falcon Slide with Falcon Screen, and as you can tell from our new impromptu introduction, we are Film Fight Club. And joining me in the studio is Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Uh, yeah, this, is, Chris, is, Chris is, different this week, and we have freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello everyone.
1: I'm just glad that people have finally figured out what our intro music actually stands for. Because I, for one, had no clue all this time.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, you told me that it's music from Fight Club, but I don't associate it with Fight Club, so I just, oh, I guess this Thank is just Thank you for out-tune.
1: making it explicit, Chris. I think, finally, our audience can actually get it. it. We've appropriated
0: it now. But look, it was the Fight Club thing. That's why we got it. It's, you know, fight, we're film Fight Club, and... Oh, shit, we shouldn't talk about that film. What am I doing? Yeah. Well, yeah, you That's don't true. talk about. Oh, oh, dear. Wow. Just broken number of rules there. Uh, so yes, we have a big show planned. We are talking Tomb Raider, which is in cinemas this week. It's been quite a while since the last two, Cradle of Life and the original, starring Angela Jolie back in 2001. And we are also talking Human Flow, led in the program. First, we are talking about a big film to hit Australia shortly, and that is Love, Simon. The world premiere of this film happened at the Mardi Gras Film Festival and Event Cinemas earlier this year. But uh, apparently this is
2: still the Australian premiere, even though it's already shown in Sydney, that we just attended earlier this week.
1: Yeah, it's a bit confusing. It's a premiere with the red carpet and everything, and it was quite red, and we had to go in our tidy, tidy casuals.
2: Even though it was like...
1: Thirty-nine degrees. Oh God! It was Im- yeah. yeah,
2: It was being tidy is a is a hard ask. Exactly at, at that and, and- temperature. Yeah. Um,
1: be pretty casual though So that's
0: fine If someone at home Can tell us what Tidy casual means We, we do really appreciate We would really appreciate it But this film uh, Love, Simon So this is starring Nick Robinson From Jurassic World As well as Catherine Langford Who became Australian Catherine Langford Who rose to fame From 13 Reasons Why And we were very fortunate We had the red carpet The lovely red carpet And we had Some interviews With the stars Of the film such stars Jennifer Garner And Josh DeMarco Of Las Vegas Fame and Transformers They weren't there But we didn't meet too. David Koch was there though David Kosh. We sadly <laughs> did not have a David Kosh interview to bring you.
1: That would be too controversial by any standard.
0: We're very sorry about that. But what we do have is these wonderful interviews with Nick Robinson and Catherine Langford, playing Nick first, and then we'll be on to
3: Catherine. Great to have you in Sydney. Are you enjoying your time in Australia? So far so good. We haven't had a ton of time, but I was able to go check out the art museum, so that was fun. Oh, a temporary art museum. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, it's a great one. So, Love, Simon, it's the premiere. Can you tell us a little bit about the film? Uh, so, Love, Simon is a coming-of-age story of this young man in high school who finds uh, another closeted gay uh, teenager at his school and they have a correspondence and then someone enters the picture and tries to sort of drive a wedge between them. Now, and in terms of the film, You've, you've
0: grabbed filming was there a favorite sequence something you really enjoyed about something that stood out for you something that was particularly memorable
3: uh there were a lot yeah i'd say that my favorite part of filming was probably either the scene between uh simon and leia i just loved the dynamic between them after the party they get home and they're in completely different par- they're having the same conversation but with completely different meanings so i thought that was really well handled and um Maybe the dance sequence. Dance sequence. Looking, looking, looking forward to it. And Catherine, she's right behind us in the
0: line. Uh, uh, she's the other big star of the film. What was it like working with Catherine on this amazing project?
3: Oh, Catherine's great. She is uh, representing Aussies everywhere, and I think she's been it She did it. She's fantastic in the film, um, and uh, yeah, it, she was wonderful to work with. Now, we've had a big, we had gay marriage passed in Australia last year. It's been a big reckoning for Australia in terms of LGBT rights. Do you think this film will resonate with an Australian audience? Well, I hope so. I hope that it resonates with everyone. I hope that this movie is sort of a first step in a, uh, uh, maybe a new era of representation. Um, and get, bringing people together and sort of just having a common understanding of what people are, are, are going through, LGBTQ or not. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the premiere.
0: Thank you very much. So, you've just done a major TV series, and this was your next project. Why did you choose Love Simon? Why was this your next thing?
4: <laughs> it's funny. Um, you know, the script for this came to me at a, a kind of weird time. I We were still weeks away from wrapping season one of 13 Reasons Why, which, as a lot of people know, was a, my first job and also quite an intense role. And I wasn't necessarily looking for anything. Um, but what took me, what kind of attracted me to this script was when I read it, the just the range of emotions that I felt and so unsuspectingly. And I think it was that kind of initial reaction that I felt that drew me towards it. In addition to obviously the filmmakers and, and Greg Berlanti, his vision for the film. Wow.
0: And can you tell us about working on the film and filming and working with the co-stars, did you have a, what was the experience like?
4: Wonderful, to sum it up in one word. Um, you know, I went essentially straight from my first job into this and they were both very different, but I think the one thing that tied them together was telling this meaningful story and I think on set everyone the thing about Love Simon which was so special is on set I think everyone from the producers to the crew, the grips, the actors, everyone was there for the right reasons and was so passionate about telling this story and <laughs> we were able to have a lot of fun. Thank you so
0: much. And that was Catherine Langford and Nick Robinson. It's quite fun being on a red carpet. Like, there's always just people running around immaculately, beautifully dressed, even in ridiculous heat.
1: Yeah, and I was surprised to see so many good-looking and well-dressed people in one place. Thank you No, not you, Glenn. Oh. I mean, other people. Oh. There are other people in the universe apart from you, but you also <laughs> look
0: good. Thank you. It wouldn't be Film Fight Club without just hurling insults across the table. No, no, I was just being
1: honest. I think <laughs> this is Film Honest Club
0: today. Wow, wow, this, this is getting hot. Brutal Honesty Club. Brutal Honesty <laughs> Club. Is it, it doesn't sound quite as captivating as. No, Fight but I, club. I do
1: respect the fact that in 40 degree heat, we did turn up in tidy casuals. I don't understand what it means.
0: Yeah, I respect
2: myself for turning up at that (laughs) that
0: heat. So we went to the tidy casual premiere of Love, Simon. Um, It is in cinemas in a week. What did we think of this film?
1: Uh... (laughs) Yeah... Very lukewarm we about should, it. We should
0: explain what it's about. Well, I think Nick did pretty well explain oh, yeah, he's right, going he on. Like, for what we didn't explain, it is set somewhere in North America. I'd say somewhere around New York State, Pennsylvania. Seems like it, yeah. Yeah, and it deals with the experience of a young man in high school who um, knows he is gay, but uh, the decision as to the cir- exact circumstances as to who he tells and how he comes out, he finds may be very well beyond his control. And um, I think we're seeing quite a few films like this coming out now. A lot of them have been coming out over the years. They're mostly from independent distributors. And we did see Coin By Your Name, which is a, of a very different film, but in some ways of a similar vein.
2: This film is significant for being the first studio film about, you know, like a coming of age gay romance, coming out narrative. But really that just shows how behind the times the studios are, because I think the best time for a movie like this would be like 10 or 20 years ago. Exactly. It, it's still a relevant story for a lot of people, but um, I'm not saying this to trivialize how difficult the gay experience is for a lot of gay people today, but I feel like this movie would have made much more sense when the tide was you know, less towards gay rights than it is now, where we're seeing the wave of legalization around the world of gay marriage.
1: I'm, I mean, in some sense, I, I do get the point that it does... In the, the mainstreamness of this movie in normalizing that coming out gay experience in giving us a proper, you know, teenage rom-com setting, which we haven't had from the studio experience for LGBTIQ community. For that sense, yes, it is quite an interesting film, but... Apart from that, it's also an incredibly boring film.
0: Well, speaking of how Simon is a relatable character, what we think of him, um, he—I know we talked about this privately before this, uh, the show—but he is an interesting character. He's just one of the least interesting characters in the show, and I think yeah, a, it's purposeful. I mean, he is an entirely relatable figure. He's all American. He's not a jock, but he's just the guy. He's kind of know lives down the super street. Super good-looking, whatever kind of blunt kid. But yeah, th- throughout
2: the movie. He, yeah, he has music taste that seems like it's the taste yeah. of the author of the book or the director of the film rather than exactly. this character. In no way is he set up as like a quirky, kind of interesting guy. The whole point of Simon is that he's a boring everyman, yet for some reason he has an Elliot Smith poster on his wall and he listens to the kinks. Yeah, Waterloo Sunset, yeah.
0: good taste. I've got to give him full credit. Um, yeah, but um, n- um, you know yeah, not but- believable for this character.
2: There's I, no contemporary music in this movie that's about every every man, no, every it, woman, teens today.
0: Well, there's Whitney Houston, but like that's about as contemporary as we that, get. Yeah, exactly.
2: I, I don't believe it. It's like the Juno syndrome where kids always have to be experts on the pop culture of the older audience that watches it. Like the, also the way these teenagers talk. It's as usual in films. It's w- they latch onto the idea that you know kids like to joke around and be loose and fun in their dialogue in the way they converse with each other. But the result is way too self consciously quippy. I don't believe that kids talk like this or act like this.
1: That's true, but also I think that music choices is that's a very lazy way and very studio way of showing that. But this he's char- got a sensitive side. Yeah, or this character is. There's more to this character than what, you know, looks the eye. It's very introverted, broodingness, a seriousness to him that you may not think is possible. He
2: seems like just a boring kid.
1: Exactly, but there's more to him because there are layers. I agree that... Almost like a Morrissey kind of character, which is just annoying to say that I've compared him to Morrissey.
2: I agree with Glenn that the supporting cast is way more interesting.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of fantastic supporting characters here. Alexander Shipp, who plays Aurora Monroe in uh, the... X Men Apocalypse, and is in the much better Tragedy Girls. Uh, is excellent oh, yes. in this, and oh she's my a superb God. actress. And Catherine Langford, I mean, she's shown her dramatic chops, and she's she good. Is, She is good in this. She's good. Are they all? Are they, there's a, there's a really interesting supporting cast, and look, as uh, Rob Nick said, the film exists around this to an extent about the pen power relationship he has with this one character you don't know who it is it's this anonymous figure and you presume possibly throughout the film there could be someone you've met and they introduce a lot of characters in this respect in this regard very well there's a pretty cool panoply of people who live in this town I mean you know you in any high school drama you have like these stock stand characters the only really stock standard characters in this film were the two jocks You just have I'm pretty sure the director just said just get a jacket and be jocks like yeah. whatever you think jocks You're a are jock.
1: like but, but that's that's also the problem, you know, in the opening monologue of how Simon's parents are described, which is also very stereotypical and incredibly on the nose depiction of, you know, the dad and the mum, which is like, of course, oh yeah. You I know, think it's
2: self-consciously vanilla. Like yeah. this movie is like, we're going to make a mainstream coming of age movie that finally addresses a gay audience. And let's, let's make it by design, like a by the book and conventional as possible in most respects.
1: But that's what annoyed me quite a bit because it tries so hard to be an important movie about important issues that it forgets to be a good movie I
0: think, I think it is an, I think it's fine to be an important movie but to be fair this film will probably reach a bigger audience than the admittedly much better coined you By a Name and many other Netflix and I've many many years at the Mardi Gras Film Festival they screen incredible films every year there's a wonderful one with Ben Winshaw a little while ago Boulevard L- premiered Lil Tink was fantastic and that's not to say this is not a good film there are ones of the genre which are worth seeking out but this is in cinemas this is getting a mainstream release it's worth checking out this is I think it's for
2: teenagers I think the biggest audience for it will be teenage girls but that doesn't mean it's not an enjoyable film with like solid fundamentals i found it to be like a perfectly kind of solid film it's it's very conventional
0: but the film isn't just what i liked about it it's not just told from the perspective of nick Robinson's character assignment it's told from a number of perspectives and how people relate to this issue and how people relate to people coming out more generally and romantic relationships um and I appreciated that. They weren't just trying to... Admittedly, he was in every single sequence in the film. But the film recognized that he wasn't even the most interesting character. And they didn't focus on just on him.
1: Which I think also kind of annoyed me. Because we're supposed to be on this journey of you know Simon's sort of story. And yet his story was... The most pathetic and the least interesting He's out of not all.
2: A very likable
0: guy, really.
2: Yeah, I think that he. <laughs> Glenn yeah. just made a face when I said that. <laughs> no, no, I,
0: I think look, he he does. We don't want to ruin. Really, he does things in the film which um we would not agree with, and which are in many in some sense, indefensible. But, um, this is part of the. The situation he is confronted with, and the arc he has to go through, and it is unique, and it is a terrifying circumstance that any high schooler would find themselves in. So, while they didn't just throw him in and say this is a character you can love or hate, um, they showed this is this in terrible conundrum he has to deal with, and I feel to an extent they, they carried that off really well.
1: I was very more intrigued by you know the side characters' narrative arc, especially Catherine Langford's Leah's arc, and how that was more nuanced, and what she had to go through, which was a lot more difficult in my perspective, because she doesn't get to throw a tantrum. It's all very internalised, and that was way more difficult to convey than Nick Robinson's uh, arc, which was too undernosed for my my liking.
2: The young girls who love closeted young men uh, having a rough time in cinemas lately, between this and Call Me by Your Name, <laughs> oh, yes. and then really, uh, undersung, undersung sufferers, I think, Unsung, you know.
0: Yeah, this is this is yeah, this is not Call Me by Your Name, but yes, um, it, <laughs> it, 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 there are some very similar aspects. I think that was much more beautifully filmed. Um, Chris and I were talking us after the film. There's one respect I want to address in this film that was also. In, I know we talk about calling by Your Name a lot, but I think this may be the last time for a little while. We promise we will <laughs> bring it up for Glenn. Um, for sorry. No, yeah, for Verat's sake. For Vrat's Vrat's sake. Avoid.
1: Look, I I did love Call Me By Your Name a lot more than I liked Love, Simon, which says a lot, I think, because I didn't really like Call Me By Your Name that much.
0: But yeah, well, call you, on Call Me By Your Name, it has been widely talked about as a very important story for the LGBT community, and it is, but it is also a really important story for members of the Jewish community, and those of Jewish faith, particularly those who are Jewish and queer, because it analogizes aspects, well, the two experiences are, in many respects, different. It analogizes aspects of what are common to those experiences. This so, film, it was definitely interesting to see that come up again. Yeah, not yeah. as well or as diligently. It dealt with it sparingly, but I appreciated that it was there and acknowledged. That that parallel keeps being brought up. And but, I think that means a lot to a lot of people.
1: Would you say, though, Glenn, that is that a lazy parallel to make, given that it's too obvious?
0: I don't think it's a lazy parallel to make it all. I mean, we're getting into uh, quite deeper territory here, but um, the experiences of many members of the LGBT community are akin to many members of the Jewish community that who can feel isolated or are part of the community where they may feel welcome in many respects, but are n- acknowledged that internally they are entirely different. But, exactly, and also, but it,
1: is that broad strokes kind of jarring for you? Or do you feel that that's a good recognition?
0: In my personal experience dealing with um, extensively members of, both communities, I feel, and particularly people who I've spoken to of both communities, Falling Call You By Your Name, it resonates very strongly, and it means something to have protagonists of these backgrounds in mainstream films like this. Fair enough. Um,
2: yeah, before we did this, Verat was saying, like, uh, I don't want to talk about Love, Simon. And I was like, "Oh no, you, you, can, you can say a lot about it," but I'm actually struggling to think of things to say about it. It's 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 very, it's very like it's a very solid, conventional sort of teen movie.
1: Yeah, I I'm, it's, I'm it's hard I'm, to say I'm, much. I'm very self-aware of the fact that this is not my story to tell, and the LGBTIQ community do need their own coming out narratives, and they do need a you know their popcorn high school romance movie. So yeah, that's in, the significance in, exactly. So in that sense, you know, I. I'm very aware of that, so there are some I funny th- lines.
2: It's not like we've been yeah. I've been trashing it a lot, but there, there's funny lines there's there's good moments
1: exactly i mean uh it it's I, just I very safe for me I didn't like it that much, but then you know it's not. I'm not the right audience for it. And that's okay. You know, it's
0: not, I'm not meant to like it. I think that's a fine. lot of
2: teenage girls are going to love this movie. Okay. If yeah. anything, I think that's the audience they're banking on more than gay gay yeah. youth. There
0: you go. So that is Love Time to close out discussion on that. Yeah, um, I do appreciate that as a film that deals with serious issues but doesn't isn't too self serious. It is
2: Yeah, it's very light and breezy. And it was did- better better than Sp- Spider Man Homecoming at addressing huh. these kinds of teen characters. But so. yes,
1: when he does have the emotional resonance and the stakes, and especially when I bring up Martin's arc, this sort of uh, sort of borderline neurotic slash creepy slash oh, yeah, pathetic yeah. character.
2: But the movie doesn't allow him to to be as deeply pathetic yeah. um, as it should. I th- feel because. It wants us to hate him, which you know we already do. It would be more interesting to allow us to see the the sad and pathetic aspects of this guy. By by the end, more. I did
1: empathize with Martin a lot more than I empathized with uh, Simon's choices. Wow! Situation. I just uh, wow. I, I, I I I can't imagine I, that. I would
0: disagree with that, but that is something <laughs> for audiences to make up their own minds. It is in cinemas from next Thursday. The next film we will be speaking about, uh, Chris Sort, is Human Flow. Yeah, Human Flow is a feature
2: length. In you know long long documentary, uh, directed by Ai Weiwei, the very famous Chinese conceptual artist and activist, it is a documentary that aims to show the breadth of the tr- uh, tragedy occurring in the world today with regard to refugees, um, and I really appreciated how despite being such a long film that's filmed all over the world, it maintained this very clear focus on what the film is and what it's trying to be. Um, And that focus is on, yeah, as I said before, showing you the immense scale of the refugee crises occurring around the world today, and doing so primarily through huge scale images. This is really a documentary that has to be seen in the theatre. There is some absolutely spectacular photography in here showing um, the scope of the number of people that are are walking on foot, showing the scenes of war and destruction and the massive refugee camps that are popping up in more and more places. Um, It's an interesting approach for a documentary because there are relatively few talking heads in this film. They pop up briefly and they say a few words and then we move on to this very sort of grounded, you-are-there-just-watching-the-scenes play-by-approach. I think it's really a film for people who know a little bit about the subject, that instead of trying to give you a crash course and inform you, it's just there to give you another perspective that only the cinema can provide, which is these huge-scale images. Um, I liked that Ai Weiwei himself, despite being a really famous and spoken-about figure, doesn't insert himself into the film too much. He appears throughout, but just to link these stories together, essentially as a spectator. He was in there just enough. Um, I've heard a lot of criticism of this film from those who weren't as affected by it as I was, that it's an over-aestheticizing of a serious political issue, Uh, people complaining that these images uh, just kind of treating it as a way... um, treating tragedy as a way to create the best, most spectacular visual impact... Um, and but I disagree with this. Uh, I think, for me personally, I found these images really beautiful but also powerful and confronting. and I think the film, with its only occasional dipping down into the um, speaking to the refugees themselves, gave you just enough in order to um, stop the movie from being unrelentingly pummeling and humanize the issue.
1: That that's an interesting point you make, Chris. Because I've never understood that argument that a beautiful image, uh, aesthetically, you know, sheer poetic image, mm. cannot be somehow be equally powerful and emotionally resonant at the same time. Yeah, I agree somehow, with that. Beauty somehow needs to be detached from emotion. I don't really agree with that.
2: I, I agree with that completely. Um, I found these these images both beautiful and powerful and sad. I think, um, I think the approach is a really good one for a, a, a documentary designed for the cinema because there's no shortage of interesting reporting if you want to seek it out or if you're interested in the issue that's talking to refugees or, or telling you about what's happening on on the, the front lines. This movie gives you something that the only the cinema can give you, which is these massive um, images shot by... Incredible technicians. Christopher Doyle, the great Australian cinematographer who worked on it with with Zhang Yimou and Wong Kar Wai and famous collaborations, has shot some of these images, and it's it's absolutely gorgeous. There is, as I said before, a fair bit of humanity within this movie, but uh, and I'm thankful for it because, yeah, if not, the sheer weight of the tragedy would become just, uh, just. overbearing. It's not a film I'm in a rush to watch again anytime soon, but I think as a one-time viewing experience, it's a really um, great addition to the journalism on this subject, and it, it really deserves to be seen. I think this approach is something that can shake people to into action just by shocking them with the force of the images more than just another kind of standard documentary, hear all the facts or a news report could. I think it has a poetic power
0: behind it, as only a visual artist could bring. And where can we see Human play?
2: It's in um, a bunch of cinemas. I think Dendia are playing it. I think Some Palace have it. Randwick Ritz and the Orpheum have it. Yeah, it's in uh, select cinemas around the country right now.
1: I'm definitely going to seek it out. Thank you, Chris. That was... It was beautiful. I, yeah, I, thank you, mate. I, I don't, I don't always agree with you, but today yeah. I just feel you. I, I hope, feel you, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I hope you enjoy this one.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Um, for our last segment, we're changing tack ever so slightly <laughs> for, a, <laughs> for a very different film, and that is Tomb Raider, which is in cinemas now, based on the popular video game. We're about 20 years old now. It is starring Alicia Vikander as Lara Croft and Walton Goggins as a Villain. You have uh, McNulty <laughs> from uh, The Wire as, uh, as Richard, Richard Cross, I think, the father yeah. figure. The and, father figure, literally. A lot of daddy and, issues in this movie. And you have Daniel Wu as a sidekick of sorts. Uh, this takes place, this is more of an origin story. It's based on, as I understand, the later iterations of the Tomb Raider games, and it sees Lara first as a bike courier in London. In, in, London, UK, struggling with the disappearance of her father seven years past and eventually seeking out where what happened to him on an island west of Japan. Virat, we saw this together. What did you think of Tomb Raider?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, look, it was better than I thought it was going to be, yep, which yep. really meant that I had really low expectations. But it, I just did enjoy it in the sense that I was like, oh my god, this is not half as bad as I thought it was going to be, because Initially, I thought, "Oh my God, why are they doing this? I'm not a 12-year-old boy anymore. I've grown up into a 25-year-old semi-man child." So you know, I'm
0: you know. <laughs> That's how I'm going to introduce you from now on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you know,
2: semi-man child, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. full-on manchild, Chris Evans.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, you know, why is this happening? And the, the whole commentary and the YouTube comments around things which are not related to the casting and the body image problems. You know, everything was just toxic.
0: Right. We're, yeah, we're jumping into the probably the most contentious year. We didn't think it would be a contentious film. Um, before we get into that, i just like to say what I, uh, I basically feel about Tomb Raider in that it we are in this period now, post-Oscars, where essentially we have films that aren't trying and don't think they're going to win Academy Awards, and the studio's just releasing them and they're fun and they're disposable. And as a film where I could sit and watch it and enjoy it for two hours, this is perfectly fine. I'm not going to probably going to watch it again, but I enjoyed it. The action scenes were decent, the performances were excellent, and Getting on to the performances, Alicia Vikander, she is far and above the best thing in this film. She is a superb dramatic actress. Um, The one part, some parts where she does falter, she is not a good comic actress. She is, the one-liners are not too well handled, light-hearted parts. Um, And and the
1: quips were not that necessary to the narrative anyway. They're quite forced. It's trying that whole, you know, I'm an action movie with a bit of comic dough sprinkle on top kind of thing with seasoning. But we don't need that seasoning. It's all, a dish is pretty cold as it is, so we don't need it.
2: Revenge is a dish, best served <laughs> cold.
1: Yeah, yeah, well played. Yeah, <laughs> and- exactly what it is. And, and And the whole, you know, the actual merging of the Indiana Jones kind of style
0: and, you know, this kind of gritty realism was a bit... Oh, yeah, me! I, I've always accepted that uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider is, to an extent, a new version of Indiana Jones. However, they didn't have to steal the plot from the Last Crusade as much as they yes. did. There's a yeah, lot that's just a bit, yeah. ripped from that movie and sort of stuff. But that's th- the worst Indiana Jones movie, by the way. Oh no, Temple of Doom! Man. Oh, sorry, the fourth one is the worst. Okay. Excuse okay. me. Excuse me. <laughs> well,
2: so. it's probably it's probably better than the fourth one. But otherwise, I'm, I'm not accepting it. Honestly, accept- yeah. the fourth one is the most fun. Yeah,
0: we've talked about this privately. Um, May is the 10th anniversary of this film. We are going to do, be doing a 10-year review of it, uh, of this marvellous film, which replaced uh, Jumping the Shark, Nuking the Fridge. Like This is its cultural <laughs> legacy. Um, but back to... I do want to take, uh, what, Vrat's point about um, some of the there's been a few comments uh, by one I think one prominent YouTuber and a few others who have commented that Alicia Vikander for reasons entirely distinct from how talented an actress she is is not appropriate for the role I entirely disagree with this she is an absolutely superb actress she is brilliant and you know she grounds this character Um, having said that um, she, in some senses, is not ideal casting in that while people love taking having a go at the Angelina Jolie films, and particularly the second one I didn't like the second one. I enjoyed the first one. Uh, the fact is that film worked because Angelina Jolie was bigger than the movie; she was larger than the film. It was the reverse here. She was Alicia Vikander was trying to do a grounded version of Lara Croft, and that was fine for the excellent opening sequences where she can essentially is a bike messenger, parkour expert. But as the film progresses, we want the character to get bigger and bigger and she didn't and that is a problem for a, a game adaptation
1: there's a stark distinction here Angela Jolie was Tomb Raider whereas Alicia Vikander is playing Lara Croft you know yeah. and, and I think that distinction is really easy to miss but it's vital to how the film is actually set in its groundedness and what it's trying to do in terms of the legacy
0: of the character
2: you liked this much more than Love, Simon didn't you? I
1: did
0: I wow. did I'm <laughs> sorry there, <there's laughs> such you can't even compare there's such I know i Such different movies. The the
1: different movies, but like, honestly, Nick Frost, for example. Oh, Oh my God. Oh, what a waste. Wow. He's in this? He's in it
0: for like two minutes. It's an absolute just, oh, we need someone. He's not doing anything at the moment. He needs two days, two days work. Give it to him.
1: Yeah, exactly. The, The terrible scenes are just so terrible that it's so easy to forget. You know, they're just so terrible. You know, it's just like, oh, okay. It
2: was it's so absolute. terrible that I'm yeah. not going to duck it nowhere
1: as box from the movie because I, 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 I forgot it already. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's I, like, it's utter
0: garbage, but I'm like, okay, I can
1: just put it down in the garbage
0: pile and forget about it. I, I will give a credit, though, in that the end, there is actually quite an elegant twist that I didn't see coming. Like, usually, I was thinking, expecting some Cradle of Life, ridiculous Pandora's box moment, but they actually handled it quite well. Um, and we've been talking about how the film being grounded is both good and bad. I think, in that one respect, it was handled really well. I'll give I'll give it, I'll give it full credit that's for that. True,
1: but and also, Alicia Vikander is fantastic in the action sequences. There, oh, yeah. There are a couple, uh, there's a bike chase sequence, which was really, really slick. It was fantastically shot. I um, mean, you know, because a lot of time action sequences are like quick camera movements, too many cuts, but this was not that, which is really a lot of fun. That sounds really refreshing these yeah, days. Yeah, and, and the other one in, in the jungle sequences, when, you know, it's basically a fusion of Rambo style kind of, you know, King, you know. Guerrilla war- warfare scenes, which is also pretty fun, and the foot put- chase on the boats was quite yes. good.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Except they can't lead into action sequences. Every time they need an action sequences, like run now, do something now. It's like yeah. a game, and it, it was it, basically you know the next quest to yeah. say. And in the game, it's fine, but here it's just too, it just was too jarring. It was yeah. too- you know, it, it, it's like it's not the world's best movie. But it's a guilty pleasure. I I think uh, that's a fair summary. Tomb Raider is in cinemas now. Love, Simon is in cinemas from next week. And you can catch Human Flow at Dendian Palace and other cinemas around the country. We have to go shortly. We'll be back next Wednesday night covering something... A post-Oscar film we are all looking forward to, which is Steven Spielberg's *Ready Player One*. Nostalgia, ready, set, go. And uh and the movie no one's looking forward to,
2: *Pacific Rim: Uprising*.
1: Hey, I I probably am. I enjoy I enjoy kaiju.
0: I want our wall to end. So on that terrifying note, this has been Glenn Falcons. Thank Chris Evans and Rutner from Film Fight Club. Enjoy movies. Good night. Goodbye. Fight, Fight! 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 Fight!
2: Fight! Fight!